I've never been a very social person in contrast to many of my peers at school, as I'm rather self-immersed. Oh, different meaning, um, you are not really affected by peer pressure. You know, a lot of kids, uh, they are accepting peer pressure from uh, classmates. And then that doesn't, you don't seem to be that kind of personality. Just because somebody else, you know, is doing something or they ask you to do something, you're not gonna do it unless you want to, right? With how much time I've had alone, I've had a lot of spare time to just think to myself about the world around me, especially about human nature, their behaviors. You're sensitive to things like that. Kids that are your age, sometimes, you know, they're not at, I say that same level, it's not, not that it's better or anything, it's just, you know, you can't relate to some of their things. And what I mean by that is you think differently. So there's things that are so, so important to you um, in your life right now and what you believe in, whereas I see kids not really um, either thinking that way or really as strong in their conviction as in their belief yet. For some reason, you, you know what it is that you believe in, like, right now. The reason why I think people said you're annoying, it's not because you're annoying because you're um, that's a bad annoyance. It's just because you're so convicted in what you believe. believe. When they can't, you know, steer you their way, that's going to be annoying to people. And there's no bending you, you know, there's no bend. They didn't know what to do with you because you wouldn't bend. That's what. That's why they called you annoying. And that's how come, frankly, they probably thought you were, you know, weird because of it. I feel as if I'm in a constant state of mental turbulence, never knowing what I'm doing. But for some reason, it happens to be by my choice. You see, your mind is not set. It's like, um, like a plaster. And plaster, when it's not dry, it's, it, you can manipulate, you can move, but once it's solid, it's hard to change shape, unless you have to shape it, right? So your mind is, is like that, still, you know, developing. So I don't want to put any lid on it without any constrictive idea. I just want you to have your mind free of any debris coming from outside. And so I just continue to attempt to develop. They always have these analogies of trees, right, fruit trees, in order for you, or uh, flower trees, you know, or plants, you have to prune it. It hurts, but in order for it to blossom or in order for it to bear fruit, you, it has to hurt at first. And then, and then after you get it, you cut it or you prune it, then the fruits or the flowers will bloom. The manner in which I talk to people, sharing my opinion, I've noticed is actually how I formed the opinions and morals that I have at the moment. Teaching is the best way to learn. And a lot of those core research um, is about letting go of the power <laughs> and control of the teacher and inviting students to take some of that power. You learn about yourself from others in the way that you decide to. Running into a lot of, way more than I thought, um, philosophical conflicts in the ways to teach. And so as you make these decisions, 
and you get feedback from your student, you learn more about yourself. But it's an exchange of information and ideas. You volley something and somebody volleys it back to you and then they take it mm -hmm. and they send it back to you. The exchange of information in which that information evolves. And it's not only words. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's no, your it's body not. language, it's your facial expression, it's your tone, your volume, your cadence of your language. You're not giving advice, you're helping somebody elicit the motivation and the strength to change, and you're guiding and directing. You wouldn't try stuff if you didn't believe it's going to work. A lot of teaching is discovering yourself, because when you look at the quantitative data, whether it's working or not working, you uncover a lot of your cognitive biases as well. It's some students like they just don't know what their facial expressions mean. You know, maybe it's nodding of the head, and they're like, that means they totally get it. But then quantitatively, you know, maybe now I'm interpreting it differently. Like they were not. Maybe they're just act like they're very respectful of the teacher and they're nodding to say I'm listening. You may be clueless for your entire life, but that in itself is just an essential process. Life is a journey. For as much as we know, we know nothing proportionally. You will learn and experience things in your life. For what purpose? Well, simply your own. It's like uh, when you go to college, right? And then you pick whatever the subject, and then there's a, a professor. Not every professor is, you know, your cup of tea. Some lectures are super boring, and he's just barely awake. But, you know, I always tell young people that it, no matter how boring it is, if you are willing to get something out of it, you know, you can always take one thing home. If you have a desire, you have to maintain the desire to manifest that. You can't just, you know, um, give a birth to the idea and just sit on it. You gotta do something. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I've actually seen the middle of that.